there's like kids running around and it's just like like i want to punch them but i don't i don't know i can't you can't you're not in the vicinity to punch them yeah unfortunately dang it (laughs) mark my word i'd punch their faces off (laughs) we got that on record right right guys no no it's fine that was very boston too mac my word (laughs) 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 yeah classic amy you know can we punching kids boston (laughs) it all works together all all of it well hello and welcome to the one l2n podcast we are so excited that you could join us today if you are new to one l2n we are a family of creators who are going through the process of storytelling and we invite you to come along for the journey. Now, disclaimer, we are a bunch of amateurs at storytelling, uh, but that's why we created 1L2N, so we could help figure this all out together and hopefully entertain you along the way. So today we are joined by some mediocre people today. (laughs) My name is Amy, the most mediocre of all. And then we have Tommy. Uh, That's me. Mike. King mediocre here. Missy. Hi, I'm the least most mediocre. And Liam. Yo. Not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perfect. Let's get into it. How is everyone doing this week? I played too many video games. (laughs) That's that's a lot. You can't ever play too many video games. So you're doing great. (laughs) Definitely played too many video games, that's for sure. Okay, well, let's see. Three games specifically. Two of them went free, and one of them I was invited to. The Halo Infinite Insider, which is great. Halo Infinite is so great. It is it is disgusting how good that game is. It's based the bots in that game, they they move like real people. And it is very confusing because you're playing against them and you're like, these are they're moving way too good. How do they program them like that? Uh, and then Marvel's Avengers went on sale, or I mean, it's f- a free to play thing, and that's pretty garbage, but it's fun. Mm. And then golf with your friends, and I'm playing that with Amy and Lerm, and it's been a lot of fun. It actually has been a lot of fun. Liam and I uh, tie each other for last place a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, I think we're enjoying ourselves. Yeah, Tommy's too good at the game. It's cheating. He. He's a hacker, for sure. I think the first video game we ever had in the family, definitely the first computer game, was yeah, a golf God, game. What really? was that game? Way back in be the mid-90s. It was on a computer that had Windows 3.1. Oh, my oh gosh. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. The ancient of days. The ancient of days. Oh, yeah. I remember there was like, before you went out golfing, there was a golf shop with like a whole bunch of different shirts and golf clubs and stuff. And for some reason, I thought like if you clicked on the items, like that would be put in your inventory while you're golfing or maybe you'd get like better swings and stuff. So I'd always like click through on these just like pictures of shirts being like, oh, I got to get that one. Oh, and I got to buy that one. Got to get these golf balls like total waste of dumb kid brain. <laughs> it was fun. It was real fun. You were super little, Amy. So it might have been before your video game time the first game i really remember playing on a pc was i don't remember the official name but it was um uh arthur's like adventure or whatever i think he was trying to do the spelling bee uh or something like that yeah it was like a point and click adventure with arthur the aardvark 
I heard that show has finally been canceled. Wait, really? Yeah, it was just announced last week, I think. Oh, dang. I mean, it's gone on too long. It's yes, fine. It really <laughs> what about the Freddy like Fish games? Come on. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I actually own all of them. <laughs> <laughs> because Steam had a sale. Score. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, originally, all of them, it was like all the Freddy Fish, all the Putt-Putts, all of the... Oh, there's another one. I can't remember. There's a bunch of them. And it was all like $100 or something. But it comes with like 50 games. And then the Steam sale happened and it was like 50% off. And so it was like 100 games for 50 bucks. And I was like, okay, <laughs> done. <laughs> Maybe not that many games, but it was a lot of games. And I was like, okay, I'm getting all of them. So I played a good portion of them. But they're also for little children. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> sometimes it's yeah, good to have. Oh, Pajama all- Sam. That's oh. Pajama Sam is the other one. Yeah, sometimes it's good to have that like nostalgia factor blasted in your face and be like, yes, I remember playing this as a kid. I don't care if it's a kid's game. It's fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the whole point is like, I I just really enjoyed playing them. I think I streamed some of them uh, to Tommy and and Liam. Oh, yeah. They were just making fun of me. Oh, we were. Mm -hmm. For sure. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It was a very interesting stream. I actually remember playing those games, too. I I don't think they were the first games I remember playing. I remember playing the first game I ever remember playing was Zapper, and I remember Mike getting it for me. I think it was. Oh, Mike. that was such a fun game. No, I think Mom and Dad got because they got the PS2 yeah. for um, everybody for like a Thanksgiving because we were gonna have a whole bunch of people over, and so he wanted to make sure that any of the kids that were coming over could like play. We're like, okay, <laughs> uh, and then we all just wound up playing a bunch of games on the PS2. Yeah, um, but Zapper, I think, was one of them. That they did they great got. i haven't played that game forever it, it was like when i realized that tommy would be really good at video games because as a kid like he just learned the movement patterns so well oh, and yeah. was able to to really focus and it was impressive <laughs> so what you're saying is i'm a nerd <laughs> a nerd from the womb <laughs> apparently yeah you were born to do this he has one skill <laughs> <laughs> yeah no other it's skills true. not music no creativity video game video game i love video game (laughs) what about you mike what's the first game you remember playing oh i think the first game i ever played that i can really remember was a math game where you are a submarine and you are floating down and picking up these oxygen tanks and these little data pads but you're avoiding monsters that are in the ocean. And if you get touched by a monster who has like a preset pattern that they move back and forth across the screen, uh, then you lose like one quarter of an oxygen tank. And at the end of the level, you had to go into this airlock with your little submarine and you had to answer a series of math problems within a certain period of time in order to get through the airlock. And if you answered the question wrong, you would lose uh, an oxygen tank piece and uh i made a like an ign you know guide basically to it like i had different characters and what their movements are i drew out the map for the entire game and i had you know what problems could possibly be at what location like i had the gaming guide before it was like a thing and uh I used that to play the game over and over again. I think it was called Neptune or Neptune's Quest or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the first one I remember playing. 
It's at least the one that stuck with me the most. Yeah, I remember that game. I'd completely forgotten that existed. I still sucked at math, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, educational games don't work. Uh, <laughs> but it opened up other areas of my mind. For drugs, right? <laughs> For sure. Well, I mean, that came later, but... Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause and effect, obviously. Mm. <laughs> Played Neptune, did lots of drugs. How's <laughs> <laughs> that? Natural progression. When I was uh, moving around a bunch, especially like right before I did the AT, I had to like get rid of a bunch of things. And I think I had that study guide that I made until that mm. point. But it was a part of my life where I was like, you know what? I can finally let like this go. Like it really meant a lot to me as a child because uh, our parents didn't really like us playing video games. Um, and so that was a game that they let me play as much as I wanted because it was a math game. So I guess educational games are kind of cool. <laughs> at that um, point. I would say um, it was dad and, that didn't like video games. Mom loves video games. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You should have heard yeah. her today. Speaking of video games, I'm sorry to cut in. She loved video games so much that Amy and I were playing uh, Halo. And dad's like, what is Halo anyway? And mom butts in immediately. And I was like, oh, Halo's the rings. And I was like, I was baffled. <laughs> I was baffled <laughs> at the fact that she knew that. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, she, he had a few other questions that mom answered as yeah. well, didn't she? Yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, scary. Yeah. Well, so you have to understand. Here's here's the story of Missy and I growing up because we are the the oldest. They did not like us playing games. Mom did not like me playing games either because she thought it was a waste of time. But I think that she saw that I was good at them and that it was developing different skills in me. And mom actually is a big story lover. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the games have really great stories in them. So she would see us play and how happy it is and like try and figure out what was going on as well. And that got her into games, uh, especially when like the Nintendo 64 era came out. I think that's when mom, yeah. when she played uh, Mario yep. Kart, she <laughs> was so like much fun with her. so excited <laughs> by it. She thought it was the greatest thing ever. Well, and mom yeah. was a. She was terrible, but like laughed yeah. the entire time. Mom was a preschool teacher for many, many years. And so a really big part of preschool teaching is dealing with children who are developing their hand-eye coordination. And so she kind of picked on picked up on how hand-eye coordination is such a big part of many video games and that really kind of hooked her like gave her interest into it and it's like oh this is something children can actually learn some skills to it's almost like she's trying to convince herself like hey video games are okay because there was also a lot of there yeah. was a lot of uh, fear coming from the religious communities about what video games were and were not. And so, of course, that that drove a lot of the concerns about, oh, these are teaching our children bad things or, oh, it's going to get our children hooked on something. And, you know, it was all just nonsense. But well, I think especially the time that we were playing video games was right around the time Doom came out. Oh, oh so. Yeah. You figure it was like the first really graphic. Well, I mean, there's Wolfenstein before it, but it was still mm -hmm. like the first really graphic depiction of violence. And there was demons. And for yeah. religious parents, it was like the worst thing that we could have possibly been watching or playing with. It was video games. In general. Well, and you had games like just just the word Doom or Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's yeah. true. Those, those caused a lot of... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, immediate yeah. reaction. So. Man, both great games. <laughs> exactly. That's a, you know, naming is very key when you name things. So keep that in mind when you write your stories. Demon fun. That's what I'm going to name everything. <laughs> Demon fun. <laughs> uh. So I had something that I was thinking about that I, I wanted to try and discuss with everybody. One of the ideas that I had for creating audio-based stories with, you know, uh, custom composition music behind it was that anybody who is, um, I don't know the proper terminology, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but disabled or like if you're blind, um, you may not have the same experience going to a movie as you would somebody who is sighted. So with an audiobook, I always felt like there is something kind of missing with that music aspect, um, adding to that almost um, cinematic experience for an audiobook. And so that was kind of some of my motivation for creating it. But I obviously don't want to only include one group at the expense of others. So Missy's going through right now and she's doing a, or she has already finished a technical edit of a story that we're writing. And there was a sentence in there that kind of sparked my curiosity as what everybody would think. The, the sentence is this. I will just give a, a brief part. I wrote it as traders would row the river and become ensnared by the smell of fresh bread. And she rewrote it. Traders navigated the river and became ensnared by the smell of fresh bread. To me, I think that would row the river is really fun to say audibly, and it's a better sentence if you're hearing it. But I think that Missy's take of of saying traders navigated the river is much better to read. So if somebody was deaf and they were reading this story, I think they would get more enjoyment out of reading Missy's version than they would out of reading my version. So it's basically taking one story and you could have it for somebody who has one ability over the other. And how do you balance that sort of thing in an artistic capacity? If you're creating something and you want it to be very specific emotionally, but you also want to reach as much of an audience as possible and give as much accessibility to everybody. Should you do two different stories of a story of a, of two different versions of a story, or should you just try and do it for the one thing that you originally had done? So that's the kind of thing I wanted to, to reach out and see if anybody had an opinion. How do you make one story more accessible without you know, possibly leaving another group a little bit less enjoyed. I think it's totally fine to have multiple different like drafts or, or, or edits of something that accommodates different audiences. But I believe at its core, it should be written with one goal in mind and, and it is to tell the story that you want to tell. And then when you're going back to edit it, that's when you make those changes because I feel like it is just around us at all times anyway. And I think that's totally okay. Even if there are like minor changes and I can't name a movie specifically, but I know there are a lot of movies that replace like certain sections of the movies with like, oh yeah, in this part of the movie, there's a McDonald's or whatever there. Oh, in the other movie, there's a 
a fast food restaurant from Britain or whatever. And I, it, that's mm-hmm. fine because they get the, the gist that there's a fast food restaurant mm-hmm. there, but the core of the story still remains. And I think that's what's important is that as long as you're keeping and maintaining the core of the story so that when you're talking to someone in Britain about this specific made-up movie that I've made, you can still be like, oh, yeah, I know this story. I love this story. And you're talking about it. And it's there's no disconnect there. But you can have those little changes or splits off. I think that's totally fine. I, I don't think it, it mm-hmm. takes away from any of that. I think it's totally fine. I think it really depends upon the size of your audience. Because having multiple iterations of a work takes a lot of time and effort to do. I think a lot of your, like, to Tommy's point with with movies or shows, and you have the ability to do those multiple iterations because the people who are writing it aren't the ones doing that work. The publishing company is the one rewriting based on the target market. So if we were big enough to have a company that's essentially helping us publish our works, then we would have a full staff or they would have a full staff dedicated to to doing that type of thing. But it's just our little group and it takes a lot of work to put out a single product and it's not even, you know, this isn't our full-time jobs, right? Like, I'm not trying to focus on us. I'm trying to focus on the philosophical aspect of it. Should an artistic work be your original intent or maybe we should just forget the whole discussion because I think it's going over people's heads. If you're just trying to create an original work, should that be the intent or should you modify your work in multiple ways to reach a larger audience? That's the point I'm asking. Forget about us. I don't want to talk about us in this aspect. It was more meant to get the audience interested in an idea of debating back and forth like, well, no, you should have the artistic or no, you should actually have it for more of an audience. Well, I also think if we're talking about accessibility as far as like disabilities go, having a picture framed is not going to help a blind person. So how do you have something like that, like a gallery with just prints of pictures? How do you have something like that accessible to someone who is blind? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Is like, should you try to make that work accessible to them? Yeah. And how do you, if you think that like, so if, if you want to have a audio description of a painting and you try to give an audio description for somebody who can't view that painting, does that detract from the original painting in any way? Does the conversion of it from one medium to another for somebody who has the ability to see versus somebody who has the ability to hear and not vice versa, does that change what the depiction from each person becomes? I would say it actually depends upon the person themselves because it might change for the artist, but maybe for that person who has a disability, it doesn't change it. You know, I think it's it's because art is so subjective. Art is so subjective to every single person mm-hmm. that. It, yeah, but what do you think specifically? You can't who answer cares that about everyone else? What do you think? I think making things accessible is a fantastic goal but there is an 
art in having things unobtainable in the sense of like what, having it in one media and not having it accessible. It's like, unfortunately, see, that makes me sound like an asshole. I, I don't think it's, requ- oh God, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's the tough question, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's what's that's so interesting to me about it. Not all art can be translated into other medium. Yeah. That's the problem. Art requires senses in order to consume. And if you lack a sense that the art was created in, it's possible you won't be able to consume yeah. it. So in the specific example here with the sentence, traders would row the river. I love the way that flows for some reason. I can imagine myself narrating and I say Tra- traders would row the river. It's, it, it just it flows together audibly to me. It's kind of like a really bad poetry because I'm not a poet. But um, I can mm-hmm. I can see the timing and the spacing and how the words and, and vowels and syllables all flow together. Traders navigated the river is the word wood was repeated a few words later as well. Yeah. So it still picked up it, on that. Exactly. It, I think the idea behind that small thing it. is like <laughs> traders would row. When you say wood row, you have that two like OO sound mm-hmm. and then row the river. There's a double R mm-hmm. sound. So when you say it all together, for me, it's just fun. Honestly, that's like why I, I wrote it the way I did. But when Missy wrote and she said traders navigated the river, it made much more sense reading. And so that gave me this hard moral dilemma of do I edit something for the audio? that I originally intended it for, knowing that it might be a worse experience for somebody else. Like, if somebody was deaf and they wanted to read, would that negate their experience, even if it was better for somebody else? And it gave me this weird moral gray ground of going how can we do both? Or I know I have to choose one or the other. And um, it just, it was an interesting subject to bring up. I thought. I think it depends on whether or not you actually publish the written work, which I think eventually would be a good idea yeah. to do. Well, let's just say we, we both publish the work and we uh, make it into an audiobook. I think splitting those two sentences. So traders would row the river into the audiobook, And then traders navigated the river into the written version i think they both would experience it and it would not detract from anything and the reason why i think that is because Mm -hmm. they're both getting the best version that they possibly can and consuming it in the best way they could yeah because if someone in an audiobook listened to traders navigated the river it's like okay i get it but it does not flow as well as traders would row the river It, it just it has that structural sentence that makes it flow really nicely uh and i think if you were to split off every sentence like that making it as long as it didn't detract from the core of the story if they are consuming it in the best possible way that you think they could consume it i don't think it detracts from the original artistic vision because i don't know why because i just don't think I just don't think it would. I don't know. I just don't think. Quote of the episode is Tommy says, I don't think. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Yeah. If we could get that on a clip so we can loop it whenever we need to. (laughs) Um, If that specific example, 
regardless of which way it goes, whether the audio version or the written version, those words don't destroy what's happening in that part of the story or any part of the story. It's it's fine in either version, right? It works fine for either version. Um, the the issue really comes down to when you have to make a change for the sake of accessibility, and that change does, for lack of a better term, damage the intended content. That's, I think, where the real no, yeah, I understand that dilemma comes in. I I would love an example if we could find one later on. And I think if it yeah. ultimately does detract from the core of the story, then it's not something that you should do because then you're deterring people from enjoying what you originally intended. Yeah. It's like, yes, they can now consume this media, but are they consuming it in its best possible way? Like, no, they're not. And it kind of sucks. So it's like, should you even post it that then if it's not being consumed in its best possible way? And I don't think so. I think you need to, if, if it can't be shared um, as best as possible, then you shouldn't do it. Like in this case, it's very small and you're proud of that like work or whatever. It's so like, okay, yeah, I'm going to post that. I'm really proud of this. But if you're trying to make it more accessible to more audiences and then you're realizing, I am not as proud of this. And I think like, even though yes, uh, deaf people would be able to consume this media now. They wouldn't enjoy it as much because it's. I cannot remorph it into the way it needs to be morphed. Then I don't think in that case you should. I think it's like it, this sounds horrible, and I don't mean it. But it's that sucks. It really does. But like, there's other media for you to consume. Yeah, but I also think that you can. In order to be in like inclusive and accessible, you don't have to necessarily say, "Well, if it's not for you, you don't listen to it." You know, and that's probably not what you're saying. But I think there is a way to, no. to. I think basically you touched on a core here. What you said was make the media the best possible that it is for that medium. So if you're going to do an audio recording, yeah then make sure it's the best audio recording that you can. If you're going to write it, make sure it's the best writing that you can. And those two may not be the same thing, but it's also not necessarily the same audience. Even though you might have a cross audience, they might notice a few differences between them. You have to understand that the broader audience can then for, or sorry, can therefore be more uh, capable of of reading or listening or consuming that media in its best possible form. Yeah, pretty much. Can you just speak for me now on? <laughs> like, I'll just head out for the podcast. You can speak now. No, no, I, I like the idea of the point of it. Uh, so just clear. Whatever you're going to make, make sure it's the best for whatever you make it for. That was not even clear, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Our goal is, yeah, we want to, we want to make art for everyone. And I think it's awesome to have art for everyone and media for everyone but is there that line like is there is there certain works where it's okay to say hey this can't be translated into other or not translated what's the word uh converted converted? maybe not inverted what's around converted yeah converted into forms that are accessible to everyone like is is there is there a line where it's okay to say this can't be converted into an accessibility 
accessibility? I think perhaps we're not the the right people to figure that out. That if you do not have a disability in whatever way that prevents you from consuming art in a certain way, then you might not know how people who do have that disability prefer to consume art. And we might think that it doesn't make sense to convert art in a certain way that others may think, oh, I really wish artists would do this for my specific demographic. Yeah. So I think maybe taking the conversation to the people who would want to or be able to consume To the it. people. Take it to the people. Ask the people what they want. Yeah, I guess that's the 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 thing I'm kind of getting at that I didn't realize is that I am I am asking a bunch of people who don't have disabilities how we make art more accessible. And I think just that in alone might have been insensitive. And if it was, I, I apologize. Didn't mean anything negative by it. I'm merely trying to figure out the best way that we can create art. And we're not getting those voices necessarily involved in that. That is not my intention of this. I guess the the idea of just creating the best piece of art that you can at each individual stage is what I was um, hoping for. But, you know, I, I'm, like I said, an idiot. So sometimes I just don't know what I say. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to ask these questions and to solicit input to make sure that we can reach our audiences. We can reach people who want to participate but may need to participate in a different way than than how we initially went about it even when that makes us seem like idiots oh we'll always be idiots (laughs) so i guess what realistically someone should do is if they if like for me with the piece that i'm writing i want to keep it audibly pleasing in the way that i find it to be audibly pleasing I could put that work out there, but then I need to take that work to somebody and consult with them and say, how can I make this better for somebody who can't hear? How can I make this better for uh, somebody who, if if it's written, how can I make it better for somebody who can't read? You know, what can I do to improve this for you and find out what the audience needs specifically? And that I think wouldn't, negate the quality of the art done if anything i think it could enhance it for people because we're now trying to include them in the way that we create it but i don't have the power to answer that i guess i don't know i will say with this specific example that you brought up with the work that we're doing right now so when i did my edit i failed to consider the audio impact of the written work. I looked at it strictly from a written point of view, from that visual point of view. And it wasn't until near the end of the work, I think there was a whole paragraph where I was like, what is he doing with this paragraph? There's so many <laughs> short sentences. Why would you do this? This needs to merge here and this needs to merge here. And then I stopped and went, wait a minute, I wonder if he's planning on putting pauses and musical cues in here. And I was like, oh, uh uh-oh. Yeah. So I (laughs) specifically read that note on a side note, and that's exactly what I was doing. And I was like, oh, she kind of understands. Because her note was basically like, this is a really weird paragraph. 
But in my head, in the way I was writing it, I could hear the music that was being written, the tone, the slow pacing of each sentence, each weight of the word that I said. And it it does not translate well onto paper. <laughs> and I guess if I wanted to create the best art product or the best anything that was written for somebody who did not have the ability to hear, I need to consult with them and say, how can I make this better? <laughs> like, because <laughs> I, I want to make it, you know, decent. <laughs> I want them to be happy reading it and not like Missy was where she was like, this is what is going on. Wait, did you? Did you say for those who can't hear or you mean for those yeah, who like can, it, can't see, right? If it's, no, if it's those, written it, instead, if they can't hear the audio aspect. Oh, of that oh, paragraph. never mind. I see what you're saying. Okay. I'm dumb. Yeah. yeah. Again. <laughs> well, you will. Um, yeah. Welcome back to us confessing how stupid we are. I, I think it's interesting because whenever I write songs in general, I'm not that I'm like a proficient songwriter, but I don't think about grammar or anything. I just think about what would sound good. Yeah. <laughs> and I am 100% on that as well. I mean, we all know me and speaking. It's pretty horrible most of the time. But whenever I'm writing a song, it has to sound good regardless of grammar. It just it has well, there's to something the right about beats. writing music yeah. that actually almost gives you a free pass for a lot of all the a lot of the grammatical stuff rules out it's the, the same thing with a lot of poetry like you can get away with a lot of things from a literary perspective when you're writing poetry versus when you're writing a novel or a short story because there's just certain expectations about the purpose of the written work that uh, gives you permission to do things that you couldn't otherwise do but yes, so Mike, to your point, I did go back and read some of those those passages I had changed after talking with you the other day about the way things sounded, and it uh, I completely understand now, and moving forward, I will definitely be editing from a audio perspective while keeping mm -hmm. in mind still using you know good grammar and proper tensing and whatnot. Well, I was gonna say I what I think makes this technical edit even that much better now that I'm realizing it is since you're coming from it at such a literary standpoint, uh, we can see the changes you've made. We can see the, the, the intent Mike had and we can find what works good for the audiobook and then what works good for the actual written version. So I, I definitely, at least how I feel is like making something accessible if we're going to make something accessible, I think it's actually pretty good that you're being as technical as you are, because then it gives us two completely different versions that hopefully reach out to different audiences, but at the same time convey the exact same point so that if those two different audiences were to cross over, they would be able to still get the exact same message out of whatever mm -hmm. was created. So that kind of reminds me of... Um the Harry Potter books, how J.K. Rowling had, uh, when they were released, they were released in the U.S. and in like the U.K., um, but there was like different wordage used. So um, the very first one, uh, which is the, was it Sorcerer's Stone? That's what it was released as the U.S. title. But like in the U.K., it was released as the Philosopher's Stone. And that was just because there was different, you know, wordage that the U.K. would use than 
that we wouldn't necessarily understand. I think now we kind of do get it, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't necessarily understand as well as they would. Or it has different meanings or connotations for the same. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, uh, exactly. A few years ago, I was reading the first book in a series called The Silo Series. And uh, I got the first book, loved it, wanted to get the the other two. Um, but I, I like to buy books in hardback. So uh, the first one I got in hardback in the U.S., but I couldn't find the other two in the U.S. So I actually had to import them from Britain and in order to get them in hardback. And when I read them, the language had been completely changed because it was being sold to a target audience that was British, not American. And that was when I realized for the first time that the same piece of work could go towards, it could be revamped based on your target audience, which I I thought was a really interesting thing because it wasn't something I'd ever considered before. Actually, now that I think about it, like a lot of, and I, I know I'm bringing it back to video games, but I'm saying a lot of video games do this as well. Like, if I'm just looking at, I remember in, in Satisfactory, it's a small accessibility thing, but uh, there's an arachnophobia oh, mode yeah. that, turns, that turns all of the spiders into cats because people are definitely oh afraid goodness. of spiders. And I think that mode, as odd as it may look to me, is actually really good because I'm not deathly afraid of spiders, but someone who is just seeing a cat attack you is probably That's way amazing. better. <laughs> and I think video games... The more I, I think about it, I think video games are doing that way, like way, way more. Like I believe there's awards that have started within the last decade that are literally awards for accessibility mm-hmm. options. Didn't um, The Last of Us have? Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the rest of us, it was, it was like over two. For the rest of us, yeah. No, no, no. For the The Last of Us too. I mean, they had a version where it was um, when you're visual cues or hearing cues so you could kind of pick which one you wanted and people i believe who were blind were able to play the game because they were able to listen to the different cues for like bad guys or or whatever what was coming next but you have the option i believe as you're playing to play both um i think you just like hit hit a button if you want to listen to the visual or hear the audio cues or whatever So it's stuff like that that I think are cool because you're able to kind of work in that accessibility within the same game, but you have the different options right there depending upon. And and if you're like, hey, actually, yeah, I want to hear some visual or some audio cues or whatever, um, you're kind of able to do it right That I believe. I haven't actually played the game. So I guess ultimately, as long as it's not deterring from the main like focus or core, as long as those people are enjoying their media at its absolute best then i believe that we should all absolutely do it but i also think that we should definitely get help from these people (laughs) because we don't know what we're doing yeah again we're all idiots (laughs) well cool all right well thank thank you for uh for just helping me out with that and again please if somebody if we said something stupid we didn't mean to just reach out to us and just gently correct us and we'll we'll try to take it in stride we're not uh we're not people who hate anybody except for we we all hate tommy but that's separate let us know so that we can use it as a growing and learning opportunity (laughs) i like how you snuck in we hate tommy in there but you're gonna grow and learn from that Mm -hmm. aren't you no i didn't
why don't we figure out a way to transition into the challenges? Because Amy, you did the challenge. Um, so just for everyone listening, uh, we like to do a challenge each week and it is to help challenge your creativity with a random word. Um, so we give you a word and you can use it as inspiration to be creative this week. Uh, so you can take five minutes, five hours, five days, as long as you need, as little as you need. But just take that word and base something off of it and make something out of it. So last week's word was metal, M-E-D-A-L. And who wants to go first? Uh, about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure you're the I only one that did anything. <laughs> first and last. I think you're the first and and last. So... so um. When you said uh, metal last week, um, I thought you said metal, and I couldn't get the idea of metal and metal (laughs) out of my head, like the same words, and I just kept kind of playing those over and over again, and I started coming up with this song, and I don't, it's not, first of all, and this is not me being like, oh, it's it's not good. It's fine. No, it's it's really not good. But I wanted to record it and I wanted to share it with you guys because I think the whole purpose of this is to be creative and to learn from our experiences. Um, I made a song. I don't have any <laughs> good recording tracks. Um, it's all me. So it's a very poor uh, version. Uh, it was poorly uh, constructed. Um, but I wanted to show that you can do a lot with a little. And yeah, I'm, I'm still excited for you guys to hear it, even though it is, it's not great. Um, the idea I kind of had behind it was like sort of like a chant or like a, like a dwarven chant as um, they're kind of mining away while they're going to war or something. I don't know. But anyways, um, yeah, so uh, let's take a listen. The metal of our metals was born from sweat and blood, mined from deep within the earth, then crafted with all love. We shined them up and gave them life, presented them above. For the metal of our metals was born from pride and love. For the metal of your metals was born from blood and death, taken from our very and we had nothing left you cut us down and burned our lands claiming all the rest for the metal of your metals are born from bones and dust That's like legitimately good. I like it. I, yeah, bro. You know what I imagine immediately? I imagine like 
you, you like a really heavy boot stomp and then a swing of the axe and that's like a a boom ting <laughs> like something like that obviously wouldn't oh, be a yeah. super high ting just to fill in those gaps between where your voices are like singing because this is really good <laughs> this is really I like good it. i like it so it's not <laughs> But I appreciate that. Shut you up. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't great. have to be good to still be liked, right? Exactly. Yeah. True. True. No, absolutely. Hey, look at absolutely. all the terrible things and we I, like I, to eat. They're not good for us, <laughs> but we love them, right? True. <laughs> the thing I just really like the idea of like the I just like the imagery of the metals of our metals is like mm-hmm. we mined it, we worked for it, we lovingly crafted it, and your metals are ours you stole them from us you took them from us and yet they're now yours i i don't know i i I wanted to do more but i was like so pressed (laughs) for time this week that this is all that i got out but it's a really neat concept that's pretty good yeah but the metal of our metals i just had that over and over and over in my head and i was like i I was taking a shower and i was like singing it in the shower and i was like (gasps) there's the shower i gotta write this down before i forget <laughs> so i like like ran out of the shower and and my, my roommate was like hey i was like don't talk to me i have to get this song out of my head <laughs> so yeah i just thought it was a, a different thing uh and there's a lot that i could uh rework with it and and do better but i just don't know how to do it and also i i feel like this is really hard to I I really debated making this or not. And the reason why is because I think I'm a decent singer, but every time I recorded it, I just was like, this is shit. This is so bad. My voice is terrible. I breathe too much. I'm I'm I make like mouth noises. I I'm like, this is the absolute garbage. But I was like, you can't give up. You can't give up because even if it's shit, you have to make it. And it was it was a really hard thing. With like feeling like, yeah, I feel like I'm a decent singer. And then making this and being like, you have so much more to learn and so much more to go. And and that's okay. It just was really hard to feel like this thing that I thought I always had, which was a talent of singing, is still such an unused, uh, um, unmolded thing. Uh, and so to feel like I still had like I still have a lot further to go with it. It just was a little disheartening. So that was even like I don't want to make this stupid thing. But something you should keep in mind as a source of encouragement is that for reference, when you're listening to music on the radio or YouTube or Spotify, did I get that right? I iTunes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I'm so um, proud. <laughs> When you're listening to music in any of those, or like me on my CDs, and yes, I still have cassette tapes, um, it's been (laughs) polished. Like people have made the the clicking noises, the noises, the the on stuff, right? Like professionals have gone through and cleaned it up and edited it and made it this nice, beautiful, polished, perfect product, right? And it doesn't mean that the person who sang or the group who sang sings perfectly without any of those little points in there. Right. And professionals have to record over and over and over again as well. So don't beat yourself up because you're the one recording you and you have to do a few takes. Yeah. Well, oh, I did how many, so many takes. How, how long did that take you? 
Um, well, part of it was figuring out the program because I did everything in Reaper. Mm-hmm. So like that, it took me a long time. <laughs> how long did like the singing itself take you? Like how many takes do you think you did? Mm, I did at least 15, 20 versions of the actual lyrics, but then me trying to do the humming, um, I only actually did about five different versions of those. Because mm. I, I guarantee you with, if you put, I'm not saying if you put a lot more time, this could be like good. No, it is actually pretty good. I, I really enjoy it. I'm saying with more time, you can like notice improvements in your singing. Because I feel like I have the potential to sing really, really well, but I am the same way as you where I'm taking like 20 takes. But I feel like it's stupid, but practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Like your your voice is good. I also think having um, either like a drone note that's very similar to what you're singing to listen to is really good because then you can sing along with that note or having what I do when I sing because I notice a lot of times like hearing my own voice in the program doesn't help. I usually just take one ear like piece off or I take both of them off and I just sing without the headphones, whatever. So I can hear my own voice. So I know if I'm off key or not, that always helped me. So that's the thing with the program that I used. Um, I wasn't listening to my voice. I was, rec- I was just singing and recording my voice. Oh, but yeah. I didn't have any notes or anything. I guess I, I could have, I don't, I don't know. I was just singing it from ear. And exactly. And each take that I did <laughs> was a different starting note. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's why I that's think not good. You making that with a a program that isn't made to make <laughs> music or isn't made to really make songs per se is also pretty impressive. Like you did a great job for that. So oh, well, well, thank you. I I really wasn't looking for compliments. I was just trying to say like, hey, I know this is shit, but I'm putting it out there because that's the whole point of the being creative. It's just putting it out the challenges. Exactly. Just doing one of the best things I think any of y'all have ever done. Honestly, I think it was really well, really well Get done. fucked, everyone. And I think it has a lot of potential. If you, like, tune it up and fine-tune a bit, it has one of the most potentials, you know? You also have well, to remember, Amy, M- Liam really likes shit uh, things, so... That is, like, the opposite <laughs> from true. That is something Amy and you like. <laughs> Amy this is true. I love trash. Love oh, trash that's things. why I love you. Oh. Um, okay. Question. Oh, hell. <laughs> For Amy. For who? Um, how, how many? Desmond. <laughs> no, the other Amy. Uh, how many different layers were in that <laughs> song? Was it? Um, let's look. <laughs> Because I can do that. Oh, gosh. There's so many windows up. Three harmonies and a vocal track. Uh, um, one, two, three, four, five, wow. six. So you had the bass vocals, and then there was the um, underlining. Oh, mm-hmm. That, but those had three different harmonies. And then because I screwed up the timing, because I don't have like a, what is, what's that thing? Mm-hmm. A metronome. I almost said the TikTok thing. <laughs> uh, because I didn't have the, the metronome, um, I, I screwed up the, set, the timing on the second verse. And so I had to actually make completely separate mm. harmonies. 
like an hour before oh, we gosh. started. So it, it's um, okay. If it makes you feel better, that story I read last week, I was finishing writing it while we, like, for the whole first half of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was exporting my thing while we were doing the podcast, so it's hadn't. I just, I had restarted it and changed stuff around, and I was still working on it. I just run out of time. So, don't stress it. So I didn't want well, to interrupt good. the conversation because, mm-hmm. again, internet is cutting out quite a bit. So I'll just say all mm-hmm. my stuff now, and then you can edit around this. Um, I liked it. I think that, yes, it could definitely use more work in the future. I think you do have a metronome built into Reaper if you look for it somewhere. Uh, I can't oh, imagine whoops. it doesn't have one, but it might not. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you took the initiative to do something that made you uncomfortable. I think that is probably more important than anything else when you are doing uh, creative work is to put yourself out there because it's really easy to make stuff and then just hide it away. But it's really difficult to make something and put yourself out in a like public forum and say like, I made this and now everybody's going to judge me. So that is one of the biggest and hardest parts of being, you know, a creative person is knowing that you're going to be judged. And some people are going to be like, that's amazing. And some people are going to be like, that was total shit. I don't see what the big, big deal is. So yeah. Awesome. Good job. Keep doing it. Okay. Second question for somebody like me who is musically inclined, but doesn't have any type of program to do music on. What could we use if we ever want to do a song other than being like, I wrote a song, but here's it in poetry form? Or is there just not anything out there? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think nowadays, if you want to record music and make a song, you need to learn audio editing software. Um, you need to use a digital audio workstation. And okay. a lot of them have built in tools to help you create. Like, uh, Amy just started using Reaper. She, like I said, probably doesn't know that there is a metronome built in that she could have created a loop that synced up everything to that, you know, metronome or that time or that beat. That being said, you don't necessarily need all that fancy stuff to start being creative or make music. You can use your phone and hum out a song and just get that, you know, line down and you could hand it off to somebody and have them work it for you. I think if you want to make music all on your own, you want to edit it, you want to do what Amy did, you definitely need a microphone, which you have, and you need a digital audio workstation. Amy's using Reaper. Uh, Tom and I use Cubase. Um, There's plenty of free ones out there like Audacity, which probably also has a metronome in it. And you just start recording tracks and learn how to edit them and learn how to um, improve them. So what I'm hearing is in the future, Amy and I should do a collaborative effort on a project. I mean, I think inevitably that's going to happen anyways, just because that's the nature of our business. (laughs) I'm just saying for one of the challenges. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think if you collaborate with somebody who knows what they're doing, then it will make it a lot easier for you to get your musical ideas down. I mean, that is pretty much why we started 1L2N is to collaborate with each other and yeah. encourage each other and learn from each other. So, yeah, definitely. Let's let's work on something together. If you have an idea, there's always a way to communicate it to somebody and 
it might not be a polished piece. It might just be like literally you humming into your phone and saying, I have this tune. What can you do with it? But let's work on it. Okay. Well, and I, I will say that's how I started. I literally, I hummed it into my phone first and I was like, can I figure out how to do this on, like I was going to just do it on my phone, but then I was like, okay, can I figure out with the program on my computer? Can I do something there? And I figured that out. So a lot of what I did this week was trying to figure out how to record it mm. on Reaper, which was like, it wasn't frustrating. It was just if I had already known that it would have made the process easier. So there was like some difficulty and frustration in making this project because I was learning a new mm -hmm. program at the same time. So, <laughs> um, so I guess things are kind of wrapping up. Does anyone have any upcoming projects that you want to talk about that you're working on? Uh, we're still working on the cursing tree to be coming whenever we figure that out. So by the time this gets to like episode 20 or so, we might be releasing it. Um, I forgot to give us a, a challenge word of the week, but this week I don't want to give it. So we're going to have another guest who doesn't know they're going to give the challenge word, give the challenge word. So drum roll, please. Liam, what's our challenge word? Um, rain. Rain. Rain? rain rain is in the like the thing that falls from the sky okay well, as opposed sure. to you know a ruler <laughs> so it was a valid question exactly exactly mm -hmm. if anyone wants to participate in the challenge this week feel free to uh send that our way we'd love to see what you come up with with rain well, perfect. Thank you, friends, so much for spending time with us today. Um, we know that there are many other things that you could be doing, uh, but you chose to come and hang out with us instead, and we honestly truly appreciate it. You can reach us via Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit at 1L2N Productions, and we'll hopefully have our website up soon. If you like what you do here, you can show your support for us over at Patreon. And the and today's last word of the day is gonna go to drum roll again. Mike, take it away. Sometimes you have to lift 130,000 baby trees to be really sore.